My name is Leah. I finished a documentary called I Bleed, where I went on a journey to break the taboo and the negative cycle around periods in order to create a new one for my daughter, Ava. In this voyage, I met a lot of interesting characters and learned a lot of things that I wasn't able to include in my film, so I decided to have them all in a podcast divided in series. In this series of I Bleed, I explore the religious views around periods. In this episode, I travel to Montreal and meet with the senior rabbi of the Sharazetic Congregation in NDG, a spiritual leader in the community. He invites me to his office in NDG. So I drive to meet him early in the morning. His office is located above the temple, and we spend the morning talking about the Jewish perspective on the women's cycle and the reasons behind some of the rituals that may appear to be odd or interpreted negatively. Can you tell me a little bit about how Judaism deals with menstruation? The, there are very copious laws. The laws are derived initially from the Torah, from the book Leviticus, uh, chapter 15, verse 19, and expanded on in great detail in the Talmud. The Talmud, in fact, spends an entire tractate, there's a whole volume that deals just with the issue of menstruation. The rules, the laws are extremely detailed and certainly take up a large part of a rabbi's study when he is in seminary um, looking to become a rabbi. Why do you think there's so much attention around the subject of menstruation? Traditional Jews believe that the Torah does not waste a word. It does not have a word that is not powerful in its own right and has a relevant teaching. And thus, if the Torah goes out of its way to talk about menstruation, the prohibitions or the restrictions on a person or a woman who is menstruating, then it behooves us to further look into and delve into the reasons why the Torah would tell this to us. Now, the Torah equates blood to life. The Torah restricts a woman who is menstruating to be included in the community for the period that she is menstruating. In other words, the Torah itself segregates women. And I believe that they segregate her for her own, for her own personal needs. When a woman, and, I, and obviously I, I can't talk from first hand, but when a woman is menstruating, she needs to be left alone. She needs to be, it's her own private time. It's a time when perhaps she doesn't feel her best, either physically or psychologically. And the last thing that she needs is, excuse me for being crass, her husband groping her or being with her while she's in that state. So I believe that the Torah was very um, thoughtful by creating a restriction of anybody to come close to the woman. That's number one. Number two, the Torah goes out of its way to point out that a woman in her menstruation is forbidden not only to her husband, but she has the ability to actually um, defile everything around her not because she's dirty, it's not because she's unclean, absolutely not. It's again, it's a protective fence to make sure that she is left alone during this period. So much so that we are restricted from direct physical communication with a wife or indeed anybody who you know is menstruating. 
And what about first periods? Are there any celebrations that uh, are done around first periods? Judaism does not celebrate um, a woman's menstrual cycle. And there's a reason for it, because it's considered very private. It's considered so private that the rabbis, when a stage further in the Talmud, and said that not only should there be no physical um, contact during her menstrual period, but to protect her privacy, other than her husband, there should be no touching at all. Now, why would they do that? And the reason they're doing that is not to embarrass the woman. If I shake hands or hug just a woman, and then all of a sudden I don't do that when I meet them because I know she's in her cycle, it brings to the forefront and it tells everybody, oh, she must be having her period, and it could cause embarrassment. And so we don't do that. So you say it's not linked to impurity, but then you say it's embarrassing. So it's a little bit confusing. We mustn't look at it as a woman being dirty or unclean. It's a spiritual process. When, when a woman goes through the mikvah, at the conclusion of her menstruation, it is a spiritual purity. By immersion in a body of natural water, it comes from the Torah, which talks about immersion in water. Now, a mikvah is not just used for a woman's cycle. A mikvah is used for a number of different rituals. When you go through conversion, the final stage is immersion in the mikvah. I always, as a rabbi, I will always suggest to, to somebody who's gone through divorce, once the divorce is finished, I always say to them, you know, why don't you take this time now? Go to the mikvah, have an immersion in the mikvah. You'll feel a completely cleansed spiritually from everything you've gone through. So we, like, begin anew. And, of course, the rabbis prescribed that when a woman has not only completed her menstrual cycle but counted her clean days, she then immerses in the mikvah. And at that point, she is spiritually cleansed and returns to her home. And it's like, we always say it's like um, a monthly honeymoon. It's like beginning again. Obviously, during her period of menstruation, husband and wife are not allowed to have physical contact, so there's no sexual intercourse. For approximately 12 days of every month, there is physical segregation. So, of course, when a woman returns from the mikvah, it's, it's a beautiful time. It's a time when the romantic uh, flame is rekindled once again, and it's like each month we like start the dating process again, which is very nice. And do girls who are not married also need to be doing the mikvah? Because the Torah does not look favorably on premarital sex, but we live in a very real world today, and we have to recognize this. Uh, so if, uh, if a young lady uh, does have a, uh, a mate and she is involved in a sexual relationship, then she would be required to go to the mikvah. But otherwise, she's not required to go to the mikvah. She has her cycle and then it's over. Um, but I, I just want to go back for a second. That it's a very private act. So much so that when a woman goes to the mikvah, after the end of her cycle, she goes at night. And why do the rabbis institute at night? So that people wouldn't see her going in and out of the mikvah. Again, it's private. It's nobody's business. When the woman is, it's what we call a nida. A nida is the term used for in a menstrual, menstrual cycle or just finished it. Um, it's something between husband and wife. Yeah, but wouldn't you also say that it's because it's regarded as something shameful? No, it's, it's, not, it's not about shame. It's not about shame. 
it's about something that's just considered a private part of our life. It, it, it's no different than when, when a husband and wife has sexual intercourse. They, they don't go broadcasting it. Uh, I mean, it, it's private between husband and wife. But from a Jewish perspective, it would be considered immoral and unethical to make any form of public acknowledgement of the menstrual cycle. And, and it's really to protect the woman because it's nobody's business. Yes, but are there any specific rules that a woman needs to apply in her life when she has her period, like they have them in Islam and in other religions? It's more, it's more of an age and a more of a period in her life as opposed to uh, the menstruation. There's no direct connection with that. Um, so, in other words, uh, a girl, when she is 12 years old, she becomes bat mitzvah, which means at that point, since the age of 12, she is now bound to observe, carry out certain ordinances of the Torah as a young adult woman. So it's not based on the cycle, it's based on the age. It's just not something that Judaism would even entertain as an idea, to take something so personal and tie it into a form of a ritual observance, a public, a community ritual observance. Absolutely not. And I think one has to remember the key here, and the key here is that Judaism's philosophy is to protect at all times the dignity and the respect of individuals. The way the rabbis look at menstruation, they look at it as a very private, necessary force of the human body, and that it's nobody's business whatsoever. And the Talmud does not try to indoctrinate those ideas on anybody else. But let me ask you a question, and I don't mean to get personal, but as a woman, do you feel your best when you're going through your menstrual no, cycle? No, I don't. <laughs> no, you don't. And you probably feel that you want to be left alone for your body to do what it needs to do. The trouble is, uh, you know, most men are egotistical maniacs. And the rabbis put in place the additional separation time. Not what the Torah says. The Torah gives you a certain separation and then the rabbis extended that to make sure that the woman is fully recovered and it's not going to be bothered. Not have to deal with being harassed or bothered during that time. That's good. I think a lot of people should read that. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to tune in next week to listen to another interview with another expert. If you are a menstruator and would like to share your first period story with us, or if you want to check out other first period stories, the trailer of my personal documentary, and a cool period art project I'm working on, please visit my website on iBleed.com. That's i-bleed.com. Thanks for listening.